Welcome to the Alpha Dude Podcast with Michael Pulser. What would it be like if you knew that you were unstoppable and you could live life on your terms? Better yet, how good would it feel knowing that on your deathbed, you had fulfilled all your potential and more? Life on Earth has a beginning and an end. It's what you do in the middle that counts. Let's look at how to make that part even better. Do not spoil what you have by desiring what you have not. Remember that what you have now was once among the things you only hoped for. That saying is from Epicurus. It is the focus of this podcast and it is the focus of life. When we appreciate what we have, everything else starts to go away. Now really consider that. What are all the negative things that you have in your life? Imagine if they could all go away. What's the magic formula? Well, it's gratitude. Now, you've all heard it. You've heard the platitudes. You've seen the memes. You've seen how people write about it. But do we all do this in our lives? So let's use this in our own lives, applying it to ourselves. If we have the antidote for negativity, anytime you feel low, anytime you feel anything negative, all we have to do is change the focus from being negative not to being positive, not to having these self-help, happy thoughts. It's, it's not going to work. It's probably going to infuriate you. If you just take a step back, do the adaptive distancing, gaining in the mindfulness state, looking at the five things you can see, four things you can touch, three things you can smell, whatever, just to get it so your conscious mind, those six to nine focuses, those bits of information are focused in the right now. For that split second, you're out of your mind and you're in your body. And when you're there, then start to appreciate what you have, focusing on things you can be grateful for. Now, interestingly, once you get inside your body, it's kind of easy because you can start feeling all the things that you're physically grateful for, whatever your physical gifts are. And this can be basic things from eyes to legs to arms, whatever it is. But the principle behind it is essentially that Number one, you're grateful. Number two, being grateful infers that you're blessed. And number three is that being blessed is good. And number four is good is not bad. So we've worked all the way from a negative state to a positive state simply by just changing the focus of what we do by being grateful for what we have. It truly is the antidote for negativity. So you have to try it. But don't just say, all right, I'm in a negative state. I'm suddenly going to be grateful. You have to get out of that head zone. Some people have these things that they do where they focus on a childhood memory or they they think about something else, but the mindfulness one just seems to be the works for so many people. Pop psychology loves it. And it's been practiced by religions forever. So apply gratitude to yourself. But it doesn't just end there. We can take this one step further, applying it to other people. We can let other people know what we're grateful for. In doing this, we should always focus on their behavior. Because if you focus on the person as a whole, sometimes it can be seen as being rather insincere. And we are all logical as well as emotional. So if somebody comes up and says, you're great, suddenly the BS filters come up and it's like, what does this person want? 
So focusing on the behavior gives an objective basis for your gratitude. Focus on this. As I've talked about in the past, the third party gratitude is extremely powerful. Consider if you had the magic ability in this walk of life to leave little trails of positiveness and people would pick it up all over the place and they would follow it and find you at the end of the trail. How many lives could you affect and how wonderful would it feel? It's not a secret technique. The third party gratitude technique is simply about complimenting others, particularly on their behaviors to other people while that person is not present. This builds up three things. The first thing is that one, it tells yourself that there's enough gratitude and positive positive feelings to go around. You don't have to bottle it up inside yourself. And this this makes it so that's kind of like an endless supply of positive feelings and you are not limited to feeling just happy on the occasion. It's absolutely unlimited. Secondly, is that other people see you talking about other people and they're like, well, this guy is probably talking the same way about me when I'm not there. So it builds you up on that level. And the final and most obvious part is that the person who you've complimented will eventually find out in many cases. And when they do, it is the best feeling both to be on the receiving end and also to be on the end of being thanked for the compliment in other indirect ways in the future. In terms of dealing with other people, we can take this even further beyond words. So if you're financially able to, what's the harm in actually going that extra mile and helping somebody in a small financial but extremely thoughtful fashion? Just maybe it's a, a bunch of roses or a small gift card, a magazine, whatever it is. If you can think back to a time when this has ever happened to you, it, chances are it's few and far between, but when you do think back, it often makes you feel amazing. So if you can do this to somebody else, it will just change their day and they will also change the relationship they have with you. It's extremely powerful and you have to try it out. For example, I have a business colleague and he did a favor for me. He had no charge for it. And as a result, I bought him some very cheap online products from his favorite football team. And when he received it, you know that he was really grateful for it. He was displaying football products in his office and he loves that team. And, and now he's got this, our relationship is just a little bit deeper. It's, it's showing that I don't take for granted the good that he does for me and he also appreciates the thing that I return back to him and it becomes a synergistic relationship. So think about how it applies to your life and go there. Now finally, in terms of the creator, we were either evolved by nothing, for nothing, by nothing and life is pointless. But most people believe that there is a higher power at least Therefore, if there is a higher power, we have someone we should be grateful for. So we can also be grateful to our creator. We think about what we have that others may want. And this goes back to the things that we have in ourselves. We have our eyesight, our limbs, etc. All of these gifts that are given to us are all things that we can be grateful for. 
and people would sell everything they had just to achieve these things we take for granted. Eyesight, being able to hear, limbs, etc. People spend millions of dollars trying to achieve these things if they're lacking in it. We should be so grateful for it. And not only that, we can add on the external things. You can hear this message, which means that you made it out of babyhood. Being this far out of babyhood means that you made it through childhood. And this means that you had love and care at some level. Even if you were abused, you did have some love and care. The absence of this means failure to thrive. And these babies just don't make it. And so we can apply the gratitude perceptual filters and see how much we can be grateful for. We can be grateful that we have our physical attributes. We can be grateful for the station in life that we are. We can be grateful for the people around us. And the thing is that if you flip it around, that is where most of us live. We compare ourselves to those who just have it better. Now, this is a very strange thing because if we spend all of our lives in gratitude, it will make you happy, but it won't make you hungry. So we have to be very careful with how we deal with this. I think that there's always a time and place for everything. So if you were to use a gratitude filter and go around and be thankful for everything every day, perhaps you won't be so hungry. Maybe you will. I don't know. Try it out. But I would say there's a time and a place and I would say that you have to get hungry. You have to look around, see what other people have that you don't have that you really want and you want for the right reasons. Get that to drive you towards your goals and then as you're moving towards it, you're not envious to other people. You're aspiring to be like them. You're grateful for the things you have and as you move towards your goals, then you can also be grateful for the progress that you make. So in summary, gratitude is the antidote for any negativity. Apply it to yourself, apply it to other people, apply it to your creator. If you have children, make sure you teach them this. My boy, I make sure that whenever I talk to him, I talk to him about what he's most grateful for. And when I get him out of the headspace before I ask that question, that's where I get the real gold. And also there's different activities you can do. Like for now, we're working on the jar of thanks where you have a big jar of rocks and another empty jar. And the, the rocks have this liquid paper or white paint on it. And every night before he goes to bed, he writes down one thing he's grateful for. And over time, he gets a visual aid and he sees all these things that he's happy for. And over time, you can see the difference. He develops this deep appreciation and respect for all the things that are around him. Now, he's a kid, so it doesn't happen all the time. But if you're a parent, you know those magic moments are awesome. Gratitude is imperative in overcoming so many of the negative states. But what happens if it's deeper? What happens if there's real problems? What happens if there's trauma or real sexual abuse? What do we do when it comes to these dark moments? To help us with this, 
We've brought on a guest today to talk about how to take charge of your trauma. Here is Rachel Grant. I'd like you to imagine that we are standing outside of a room. And before we enter this room, I tell you that inside there is the most amazing cake you have ever seen. It is decadent and delicious and it's gluten-free or vegan or sugar-free or whatever you need it to be. It's whatever flavor you want it to be. And I cannot wait to go inside and show you this cake and share it with you. Now I open the door and I send you in. What's the very first thing that you're looking for? That's right, baby. You're looking for cake. Mm -hmm. Where is that cake? I got to have some of that cake. And you are so intent on finding and looking for that cake that this is the only thing you focus on and you don't even notice the gorilla sitting on the couch or the beautiful diamonds hanging from the ceiling. Oh no, everything is about looking for and finding the cake. I'm Rachel Grant. I work with survivors of childhood sexual abuse who are sick and tired of feeling broken and unfixable. And I am so excited to be here with you today to talk with you about the impact that focus has on our ability to heal from abuse and how we can use the power of the brain to break out of limiting beliefs so we can radically change the way we perceive ourselves and what's possible. Now I'll tell you, these days my life is pretty great. I'm confident, comfortable in my own skin. I have a thriving business, a sexy lover boy who loves me unconditionally. And I spend my time doing the things that I really want to do more often than not, just like this podcast. Now, of course, it wasn't always this way. It's been a long road to get here. When I was five years old, my grandfather came to live with our family, and I was super excited about this. My older brother and sister didn't really pay me much attention, so I thought, aha, captive audience. And he sure was. I would come straight home from school and go to his room, and we would hang out and talk and play and watch TV. And we often sat out on the front porch swing, watching the slow, easy Oklahoma life go by. One day when I was 10 years old, we were sitting out on the front porch and I was snuggled up next to him like I always was. He wore this fuzzy orange and brown sweater that I just adored. And and then my grandfather reached his hand around and began to touch my breast. And I remember thinking that he just didn't realize what he was doing. It was just a mistake. So I started to kind of wiggle and move, hoping his hand would go away but he gripped a hold of me tighter. And in this moment, I was immediately scared and confused. I dissociated, of course, that's not what I knew I was doing then, but looking back at it now, that's of course what was happening. When I finally broke away from my grandfather, I ran to my parents' room and I was crying and I was upset. And it still to this day amazes me how quickly and immediately we begin to try to understand our experiences. And as little people, we have a very limited set of resources to draw from and experiences to draw from. And so I went straight into, this is my fault. I must have done something to cause this. I'm bad. 
the abuse went on for some time and it got worse. One day my mom happened to see what was going on and she and my dad immediately got my grandfather out of the house, which I am very thankful for. I've been working with survivors for over 12 years now and I know that that's not always the case, that they get that kind of support. But you know, even though my grandfather was gone, this really didn't do anything to change um, kind of my experience of myself. And for the next 16 years, I was out looking for cake. Though, of course, in this case, cake was, I'm worthless, I'm unlovable, people can't be trusted. And those thoughts were with me through the 10 years that I spent in an abusive relationship, through every suicide attempt, through every morning of waking up and just dreading the day. It wasn't until I was going through a divorce and I was in my new apartment and all I had was a sleeping bag and a lamp and I had a very real oh shit moment. I was looking at my life and at myself and I'm just wondering how had things gotten to this place and I remember a very, very strong, clear internal voice saying, Rachel, you have got to get your shit together like right now, or you are going to spend the rest of your life just surviving. And so I became obsessed with trying to answer just one question. How do we actually heal from sexual abuse? So I began reading everything I could. I did my master's in counseling psychology. I began to study neuroscience. And that's when I realized that I could take the information that I was learning, use my background in education and curriculum development to create simple strategies that could make healing the injury of trauma doable and would also help ensure that I wouldn't spend the rest of my life in recovery. And this is why I am so very passionate about helping men and women who have experienced sexual abuse put an end to that pain and reclaim their lives. So I want to share with you just one of the simple, simple tools that I teach my clients every day to help them achieve just that thing. I'm going to make a radical claim. Anything can be proven true. Because we will go out and we will gather the evidence to support what we are already looking for. When it comes to what we see in ourselves, others, relationships, the world, we develop a sort of tunnel vision that prevents us from being able to see everything that's occurring that's in the room, so to speak. And instead, we only notice the behaviors or words that support what we're already looking for. For example, one of my clients was very much out to prove that all men are manipulative. So when the guy she was dating showed up at her front door with a bouquet of flowers, she snatched those flowers out of his hand and threw them in the trash and said, "Mm -mm, buddy, I am not the one. You are not going to manipulate me with these little trite gifts. (sighs) Poor guy. And poor her. Because she was so focused on proving that men are manipulative, she missed out on this opportunity for care and love and generosity. So I'd love for you to explore this question after you finish listening here. What have you been out to prove? What are the things that you have been working, looking for? Like, I'm unlovable. I can't do anything right. I'm never going to succeed. 
just begin to notice those things. Don't judge them or yourself. Just notice. An easy prompt to use, I have been out to prove. Now, once we become clear about what we've been out to prove, we want to do something about that. And so as I started to study the brain, one of the things that I learned is that we are constantly teaching the brain what to prioritize, what's important. So for example, when I went out and I bought my blue Toyota, as soon as I drove off the lot, I started seeing blue Toyotas everywhere. I was like, damn, did everyone go out and buy a blue Toyota today? <laughs> no, of course not. What's actually happening is that on a neurological level, my brain was immediately being programmed, hey, look for blue cars. This is important. We've got to find that car in order to get back home safely to Netflix. <laughs> so my brain begins to filter out any other data that isn't critical as I'm scanning around looking at cars. The name for this, by the way, is the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon. Now, what's fascinating is when I sell that blue car and I buy a red one, for a while my brain will be confused. Are we looking for the blue car or the red car? But as I go out day after day after day looking for now my red car, my brain eventually prunes, like literally deletes the blue car data and replaces it with red car. As I began to understand this, I got curious about how I could use the power of the brain to actually change my experience of myself. See, one of the biggest things that I was out to prove was I was worthless. And I was doing a bang up job of that. So I decided to run a little experiment to teach my brain to prioritize different or new information. I made a commitment to get up each day and look in the mirror and say, Today, I am out to prove that I am valuable. Now, honestly, when I first started this, I would just laugh at myself. That's not true. That's ridiculous. This is silly. But I would come back again and again each day. I'd feel that uncomfortable feeling, but I'd keep connecting with this thought, teaching my brain that this was the new red car that I needed to look for. Then one day, the mom of the kids I was nannying at the time said, you know, Rachel, it's such a relief that I can really count on you to take good care of the kids. I thought, wow, she really values me. I thought about how my parents had always been very loving and kind towards me, despite me being a very difficult teenager. And I thought, wow, they really value me. And then one day I was hanging out with my boyfriend at the time and one of his friends when she turned to me out of the blue and said, you know what, Rachel, you're so shallow. And I, without skipping a beat, picked up my bag, walked out into the hallway, took my guy with me and was like, hey, I don't know what that was about, but I'm way too valuable to be talked to that way. <laughs> and I was all the way down the steps and out on the street before I realized what I had done, that I had fundamentally changed the way that I responded to that circumstance and situation, that I had responded from a place of self-value. Whereas I know had that happened months and months before I'd begun this process, I would have been totally rocked by that person's words. So there's such an opportunity here for you to begin to retrain your brain. The new question to ask, or the new way of thinking, today I am out to prove instead. 
begin changing what you're looking for. Shift your focus. Today I'm out to prove that I'm a badass and valuable. As you go out on this, begin to gather the evidence. Look at the experiences that you're having. You know, one of the things that's really important to me in my work is that people become street smart about trauma. It's not enough to just understand trauma, talk about trauma, know about trauma. We have to have skills and tools that help us actually actively change the way that our brain is wired and that our system responds and reacts. So this proving treasure hunt is just a little simple tool that is going to help you get started towards that. Is it the end all be all? Is it going to achieve everything? course not, but it is going to make a big difference. For example, one of my clients, David, when he started the program with me, said, you know, let's just skip that whole relationship stuff. I've been married. I'm single now. I'm pretty sure I'm just destined to be single for the rest of my life. Whoa, like that's a big thing to be out to prove. Uh, you know, I said, David, let's just cross that bridge when we get there. So we spent eight months together and he worked and he worked and he started shifting the things he was proving about himself. He started seeing himself as loving, as capable of being in a healthy relationship. David is now married and is a dad. Focus is power. Studies have shown that the act of paying attention creates chemical and physical changes in the brain and that our expectations have a significant impact on what we perceive. So I welcome you in this moment to imagine how much richer, fuller, loving, fun, exciting, successful your life can be when you break free of this tunnel vision and you take charge of your trauma brain. I know in my own life that, ha that I have experienced radical changes. Things that I never, ever, ever thought were possible are so present today. And I very much welcome you to continue this exploration by coming and connecting with me. One of the first things that I would recommend that you do is figure out where you are in this healing journey. And to support you in that, you can download my three stages of recovery checklist at rachelgrantcoaching.com checklist. This is going to give you an overview of the stages of healing, what the goals are for each stage, what kind of support you want to get for each stage, and we'll share with you a little bit more about how to take the next steps into the world of beyond surviving. So come check that out, rachelgrantcoaching.com checklist. And I also hope that you'll send me an email, share with me what you learned, what you're going to be out to prove instead. And until we meet again, happy hunting. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. If so, rate it from the place you downloaded it. For any questions, send an email to michaelpulser at gmail.com.